Good afternoon, and welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Do you want to help make the world a better place but don't know where to start? Join us as we explore the possibilities on today's show with inspiring guests, uplifting music, and new ideas. So, let's get started. Here are your hosts, Lori Ann Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead. Welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. I'm your host, Lori Ann Rising. And I'm your other host, Uncle Mark Olmstead. Grief is a natural, normal response to all kinds of loss and change. Whether it's as common as moving to a new town, changing jobs, or even the end of a relationship, grief is a part of life. But there are some endings that are so sudden, unexpected, and life-altering that they change the meaning of life itself. Kathleen L. is the number one international best-selling author of Shattered Together, A Mother's Journey from Grief to Belief, and Women Who Rise. She's a transformational speaker, certified intuitive success coach, and healer. For over 25 years, Kathleen served her community. She owned and operated several small businesses, was an elected legislator, served alongside Vermont Governor Douglas, was a successful executive and lobbyist, and addressed the Brazilian Parliament on Women and Minorities Serving in Government. Her life's work drastically refocused in March 2010 after her teenage son died by suicide. She became a certified success coach, a certified RIM emotional processing facilitator and energy healer, and embraced her intuitive gifts. Today, Kathleen's life purpose is to educate, inspire, and empower those who have lost loved ones suddenly and unexpectedly, and people who are living with limited beliefs, blocks, and stuck emotions that prevent success. Welcome, Kathleen. What a project. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And and thank you for this kind of work. This is like what what our, our world is obviously needing today. Yeah, today we're especially having the results of what we experienced last year with COVID and the election and all kinds of turmoil. So um, there's no lack of my business. (laughs) I would imagine you are keeping very busy. Wow. And I mean, just grief is one thing, but it feels like it's been magnified to sort of the nth degree. I mean, my understanding, and I don't know if I have the numbers exactly right, but for each person who passes, there's at least, I think, like an average of nine close people who are affected. That doesn't mean the entire community. That's just family, siblings, stuff like that. And then if you take in the friend group and the other rest of the community, of course, it amplifies from there. So with this many people passing over the last year just from COVID, not to mention all of the other things happening in the world. I mean, grief is, it's here. We have to learn how to process it. Have you seen a shift in, in, in the way people are allowing grief to be in their lives? Unfortunately, no, I haven't seen a shift. I actually, what I, the, the shift that I have seen is actually, um, it's gone in the opposite direction. In October of 2020, I heard a statistic that when COVID started, from the time COVID started in March to October, the use of depression medication increased by 34%, 34%. 
And the numbers that you just mentioned is nine people are directly affected. That there was a study done last year that actually increased that number. It's between 15 and 35 close people who are affected by a loss. So 3 million people are grieving that had to go through the holidays with a change of life with their loved ones no longer there. So I, I talked a lot about how you incorporate your loved ones on your day-to-day basis and how you include them um, as you move through life. You don't get over it. You don't move on. You find a way how you incorporate the experiences that you've had into your day-to-day practice and into your day-to-day life and learn how to move through it one hour at a time. It's more of an adaptation almost than a, than a, than a moving beyond, it sounds like. Or, uh, it really is. Um, there is the, the challenge for most people is that we get wrapped up in this, the fear of what if, if only the anxieties. And we don't even have to talk about the grief of loss. We can talk about the grief of loss of jobs and the loss of uh, the fear of their income and their parents and being separated. So the world is swirling with so much fear that that fear affects other people, even when they're trying to stay centered and grounded in their life. Um, You know, one of the, things that I came across after my kids left my life. One of the things I came across was the description of grief as like a a big red ball in a box. And when it first happens, the red ball takes up the entire box. And it's not, we, we think of grief as if it's going to disappear and the imagery described it more as, no, the red ball is going to stay the same size, but the box will start expanding as life begins to move forward. And I thought that was a really beautiful way of describing it. And I don't know if do you have an image like that or a way to conceptualize how you think of, of grief as well. For me, I have a, a conception, not necessarily an image, but for me, grief is a journey just like life is a journey. And lots of people in society believe that when someone transitions or we have a sudden change in our life, that we are supposed to move on within the 10 days that we get our bereavement um, or not. (laughs) You know, we're supposed to just move on, bury it, mask it, prescribe it, do all kinds of things other than actually move through the grief. So what I share with people is like, it's really a journey. So the more you ignore it, the more you bury it, the more it's stuck in your body and the more you're shackled to it, the more it takes control over your life and the more negative your life becomes. And so what I say is that there's an A life and your A life is no longer. The Mm. second that you had that experience, whatever that experience is, you now have a bee life. It was just with a snap of your fingers, now you have a bee life. Your bee life now includes whatever experience that you had. So how are you going to include that as you move through in your journey of life, your journey of healing, the journey of, of grief, whatever, whatever word you wanna put on it, it's truly about acknowledging that we have to step into the fear, feel the feelings that we're feeling, which is not encouraged on most parts in society and move through them. 
what we become afraid of is actually feeling them because a lot of people feel like we're going to get stuck there. And if we let go of the pain, we're going to lose our loved ones. If we let go of the hold that we're just holding on to that one little memory that we're going to forget our loved ones. If we hold on to the pain, we start to close ourselves off because all we feel is pain. So when we close ourselves off, we also close ourselves off to joy and forgiveness and compassion and love and be living in a fulfilled life, we just close ourselves off to the world so we, we protect our heart. But we never let the love in when we're protecting our heart like that. It's, both, it's a two-way street, exactly. That, that's something. Yes. The idea of the grieving process, um, I, I'm wondering if is something that you relate in your work, uh, that I've, I've, I've heard it referred to as like a five-step process that, that uh, are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Uh, the denial, anger, depression, bargaining, I think is one of the ones in there. And then finally to acceptance. Is that kind of a overview or do you use Well, that? I love how you said that, Mark, because um, it's five stages of grief is what um, Elizabeth Kubler-Roth and um, Mike, yes. um, Kessler, Michael Kessler. They consider it five stages of grief, but it's not stages. You know, there are five emotions of grief and mm. there's more. From my experience, nothing is linear. And where we may be angry in one moment, the next moment you're in deep despair and, and sadness and, and depression and, and you're crying. And so it ebbs and flows and it comes and goes. And sometimes you can feel great and you're walking into a restaurant, you're laughing. Sometimes you even question whether you should be laughing. Like, should we ever experience joy again? Because what would people say? Would my loved one do this? You know, there's all there's those questions of what ifs. There's also shame, guilt, and self-blame that's not part of, of the five stages that, that Elizabeth Kubler-Roth talks about. They're all part of grief, but it's not linear. It ebbs mm -hmm. and flows. Sometimes it shows up at, at once, and sometimes it shows up all together, and you don't know when or how. You just know what's happening. This is bringing to mind at an idea. What I why doesn't our society have more of a, of a plan? I mean, we know we're not going to be around forever. Right. We know that our kids are going to go through this process of having to let us, letting us go and, and vice versa or whatever. It, it just seems like this is, this is kind of a, a, uh, an obvious eventuality in all of our lives. So why don't we have more of a process built into our educational system to deal with this? You know, rather than spending years in recovery and, and, you know, all of this pain and all of this stuff when we know it's coming. Yeah. I think the Western culture has encouraged just turn a blind eye to what is obvious. <laughs> and if they don't like to feel it, don't want to think about it, then we're just going to pretend it doesn't exist. Um, the Eastern culture absolutely does talk about death and, and it's really about rebirth. You know, like I talk about my son's experience, like his physical being is no longer here. And I've had to get used to the fact that I can't celebrate his graduation or his marriage or his, you know, any, or having children. I don't get to experience that. 
And what I get to do is experience the energy that he is. You know, we're all energy. The Eastern culture talks a lot about this, is that we're all connected. And when the body's no longer here, the soul continues to live on. And this is from my perspective, it's like, we're all connected. Just, this, just yesterday, I was having, you know, a pretty difficult day. Uh, there were some things that are happening, happening in, in my family that um, was emotional. And I, I just, I started crying and I just had a really down day and I allowed myself to have that down day. So that's the first tool. That's the first thing I would say to anybody, whatever, whatever you're experiencing in the moment, allow yourself to feel through it because you're not going to get stuck there. By me letting myself feel through that, I had the off day. This morning I did my morning practice. I connected with the divine and I felt this hug, like literally my shoulders came in, like someone was hugging me spiritually. And I knew that that was my son. And so the more that we're willing to work through the limiting beliefs that are that we're thinking, the emotional blocks or the trauma that's stuck in our soul, the more we're willing to work through that, the more we open up our own light, our own connection to whatever divine source that you choose to call the divine source. I love the permission to feel. I think that in and of itself, this idea of, you know, oh, well, you can't, you know, don't bring up the past. You're just going to live there. It's like, well, but it's not the past. It's still part of being right. alive. <laughs> and, right. And my, my experience is like, as I allow myself to feel in general, I'm having a deeper connection with my intuition, which does help me move forward. And, all, you know, there's, there's a richer experience of life in the present, even if it is the past that I'm feeling for a moment type of thing. So I love that you're bringing that up. And I'm, I'm wondering, too, if you would be willing to share a little bit more about your personal story, because there is, I mean, COVID has become part of our lives and there is that kind of grief and a level at which, yes, death is normal and natural and endings and beginnings are normal and natural, but there are those two that do blindside us. And I'm aware that's more your experience and, and the grief from those things is, is different. Yeah, no, um, I totally agree. I agree. Thank you for bringing that up, Lorian. Um, I would love to just answer just, just one thing, just bring up the emotion piece and then go into that story if I could. Sure. Um, so you mentioned that you were able to connect more to your intuition because you allow yourself to feel and you're more grounded, you're more centered. What I want to just remind you, the listener, is that the more we accept that all feelings are just emotions, they're just emotions, that we don't have to label them good or bad, they're emotions, they're energy and flow. And so whether you're feeling down or you're feeling happy or whatever it is, know that that's just a moment. It's a moment in time. It's not going to always be that way. So I just feel like I want to just really honor the fact that feeling anxious or feeling down or feeling sad or feeling depressed or whatever you want to label it, there are emotions. Anger is part of that. They're just emotions. Allow yourself to feel it, feel it healthy, 
and move through it. And that's what I teach people. So my story is that, you know, as the biggest story is that my son took his life when he was 19 years old. He didn't only take his life when he was 19. He took it when he was angry at me. And he actually wrote a note saying he didn't want me at his service. And so it was shattered me, completely shattered me. And um, it really took me just, it took me months to go into the local grocery store because as my intro, I was an elected official. The community knew me, the state knew me. I had become a successful businesswoman. Um, and people thought of me on the outside as this powerhouse, but on the inside, I was dying internally because my son was struggling with, with things that most people didn't know about. Um, and uh, it took me really lying on his grave, begging and wishing and pleading for whoever, whatever took my son to take me to, because I could not, I could not withstand the, the, the vice grip around my heart or the, the heaviness, the cinder blocks or like the building, the um, building blown up on my back. I couldn't breathe anymore. And it was then that I really just, you know, at one moment, I don't know how long I was crying and screaming and begging, but I just, I wanted to die. I didn't want to be here. And I just became quiet, you know, like, um, I got a text actually that got my attention, but it just my, my whole body became quiet and still. And I heard this message out of nowhere from above. If this happened in your life, then you're meant to do something with it. Now do it. So that's what gave me the courage to get up and start to become of service with, with what, how I became where I am today. There's a little, there's a little more to the story because that's that was the that was the breaking point but what most people don't know my very early childhood my mom was pregnant for me when she lost her son to crib death and my birth father was an abusive alcoholic and we lived in turmoil and distress and i experienced my birth father shooting at us as young children and i was sexually molested and physically abused and emotionally abused. And, you know, as a teenager, fortunately, my mom was able to leave that environment and married an amazing man that I call my father today. He adopted me. But as a teenager, I was was bullied. And then you go on and I've had multiple relationships because from zero to eight is when you're programmed to respond to life. And if you're programmed at that very young age that you, you find certain ways to protect yourself, to stay safe, then you're meant, then you do that. You respond to life that way until you don't, until you realize it's dysfunctional and it's not working anymore. It took me three marriages to figure that out, but I got it. <laughs> you know, finally, I finally got it. You know, but- some people don't. So kudos to you. You got it. <laughs> That's awesome. We all have our journey. Um, today, I can see, like, honestly, with the depth of my soul, I can actually see that if I had not experienced all that trauma right up into the time that my son took his life, I would have 
never been able to make it through my son's suicide. I would have died as well. I would have left my daughter here alone. Which says a lot about you as a human being and the resiliency that you have as a spirit, as a soul, as a being, and the choices you make to stand back up. Or even some moments, it seems like just to take the next breath to choose again. And that just, that says so much about who you are and to have come to this point where you can talk about it and be of service through it is incredible. And I just want to honor and appreciate you for all of the inner work that you have done, because that too is a choice. It is a choice. And I just knew, yeah, oh, absolutely, Mark. It, it, definitely is a daily, it's a daily practice. And that's, you know, in my book, there's daily practices that at at the end of each chapter, there's practices that are included that I use throughout my journey. But I just want to just say that I knew at a very young age, there was something more to life than what I was experiencing. You know, I remember hiding in the closet, just, just, curled up and thinking there's got to be something more to life than this because it just cannot be what this this cannot be what life is about it just can't be right and as i look back i think i was protected the entire time even those bad things happened and i say that in quotes because really our experiences we can choose to say that there are bad things or they're part of our life journey so we can be of assistance to others I believe that every one of us has a purpose here on earth and whatever that purpose is, our journey is a part of that. And we can choose to stay stuck in the pain or we can choose to walk down that healing journey. So you can be of service. Absolutely. And you know, it's, I think you, you hinted on it early when you were referring to our Western culture. I think that our, our education about how important it is to advertise our woundedness or, or, or justify our challenge so that, you know, the companies can sell us stuff, essentially, isn't it? I mean, there's so much of it that we're taught that there's a, a cause and a solution. And so we have to have all of this. Uh, next pill or the yeah, next thing. Yeah, or, and you know what? I'm, I apologize. It's a wonderful, juicy opportunity question and we need to interrupt and take a short break so (laughs) we do want to come back to this because it feels like there's so much more to cover i do want to let our listeners know that if you are working on your own book and want to share your unique and powerful story as well at riseandshineis1.com we are offering services that support writers before, during, and after publication. So we hope you will check that out at our website. What is a song but poetry set to music? After the break, you'll get to be the very first to hear a new song Mark's been working on called Inheritance. Stay tuned right after this. (music) 
In our changing world, how can you protect the self-esteem, confidence, and dreams of the children you love in just five minutes a day, even from a distance? To learn more about Uncle Mark's Best Indie Book award-winning kids book, his music, and resources to support families, visit truesunbeam.com. And if you're an author or musician with a similar mission, learn how to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. Visit Uncle Mark at truesunbeam.com. Are you a woman who's tired of staying silent and people-pleasing at the expense of your own health, wealth, and happiness? Discover the roadmap to self-confidence and freedom in Laurieann Rising's international award-winning book, You, Rising, Reclaim Your Life, Live Your Purpose. And if you're an author whose nonfiction or memoir makes a powerful difference, you're invited to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. For books, resources, and show details, visit laurieannrising.com. Are we spending the natural inheritance that we were meant to leave behind? Or are we modeling for our children a new path to peace of mind? By learning how to be the change that we most want to find, so we can leave them a world we'll be proud to say our highest love designed. Are we spending the inheritance that isn't even ours to spend by refusing to stop choosing the same old habits we defend? Our planet has been changing. Many children live in fear. I believe their destiny is calling us to something different here. So what that means is now I need to say what's so for me about the fear I've known that's helped to shape my whole identity. Since I was bullied as a child, a decision that I made was never to show weakness or that I was afraid. So ever since then, boldness has become my middle name to make sure no one could ever see my unhealed inner pain. I left home on a motorbike to hang with Uncle Sam. I said no to the easy road time and time again. I worked a freight ship overseas with a backpack and a guitar and for years ignored the gift I'd received directly from a star. But now I know the time has come. I can no longer hide. What must be done now means together facing our fears inside. As awake and conscious men and women together where we're at, who love our children more than life and want them to remember that, don't you think it's time now for the next step that we take to be one that proves to them and us that we are still awake? And to show we haven't abandoned them with our heads stuck in the sand, Because it's time now for the real-life heroes to show up with a plan. One that starts with raising the self-esteem of every child and preparing them emotionally for living in a world gone wild. A plan that's based on teamwork and the power of harmony and helping them each night to build a path to sweeter dreams. Teaching them new habits to protect that peace of mind and to be the light wherever they go through the shadows that they will find. A plan that's fun for everyone with their own part to play that creates a lasting keepsake of each bonding step along the way so that whenever a shadow challenge might awaken them in the night, each child will know just where to go to find their brightest light. 
For written on each page will be the story of who they are and the reminder of just how good it feels to shine like a star. And from that place, you'll know that you've prepared them for the task of shining through their shadows from no matter where they're cast. For now, I know I'm not alone in feeling as I have. And no matter where we all come from, we share a similar path. And by finding a shining moment each day to remember love, we can forge a new direction that our children can be proud of. And guess what? They'll have you to thank for showing them the way with a plan you found in a song you heard on the internet one day. So let's step up and help build a bridge between here and a better tomorrow with a bright new light for every member of each family to follow. So are you spending the inheritance that you were meant to leave behind? Or modeling for your children a new path to peace of mind? By learning how to be the change that you most want to find and to leave them a world we'll be proud to say our highest love. Designed, designed, Welcome back. You're listening to Rise and Shine. And that was a new song by our very own Mark Olmsted. It's a bit different from his other originals, so he'd love to hear your thoughts. Use the contact form on his website to share your feedback. And while you're there, sample more of his music and download your favorites at truesunbeam.com. We're here with Kathleen L. talking about how to move forward after devastating loss. I was just trying to articulate an idea around uh, my thoughts around Western culture and the influences that that might be having over the amazing spike we're seeing in the levels of suicide that that we're seeing taking place. Um, Do you have some thoughts about the relationship of how our Western culture might be influencing things there, Kathleen? Um, I do. Thanks for asking that because one of the things that I feel that, that really causes the stresses on suicide is from 13 to 25, it's the second leading cause of death amongst our, our teenagers, which is suicide. And for me, I believe some of the expectations that are, have set them up to fail is the instant gratification that they receive with technology. While technology can be great and wonderful, it can also be extremely harmful for them. I watched The Social Dilemma, I think is what it's called. It's a documentary. It was just crazy, but I also knew it to be true anyways, because we have set our kids up with the cell phones that they have instant gratification by the text, the WhatsApp. If their friend doesn't respond to them instantly, or if their girlfriend doesn't get right back to them, they instantly start creating stories within their head that, oh my God, they're mad at me. They don't want to go out with me anymore. What's happening? Why are they not getting back to me? Then they start to get angry. And it just creates this swirl of what's wrong with me. The same with, you know, how many likes do you get on Instagram? How many likes do you get on? They don't even use Facebook anymore, Instagram or all the other uh, apps that they're using. And so there is a a hook with these teenagers because they're attracted to what's new and shiny and what everyone else is doing. And so they have to be part of the crowd. And I think really the Western culture has encouraged that in many, many ways. And I'm not saying that any culture is the blame of suicide. It is a part of suicide. 
I saw it with my teenage children. And that was at least 10 years ago, if not 15, it was 15 years ago when they were younger teens, when they really got caught up in what everyone else had or whatever someone else did. You know, I didn't buy their cell phones at a younger age when a lot of their friends had them. I, I just didn't do it. And they were so mad at me for that. And then when we would sit down for dinner, I would require the cell phones, TVs, any electronics to be completely off and away from the table because then we could have conversations at the table. What's up? Gee, how, how crazy. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> you go into restaurants today, you, have, you see tables of families of five or more in every single one of them with their heads down on their phones. Of course, you don't do that anymore because of COVID, but you know, their heads down with them playing on their phones. And there's no communication anymore. And that's, that's what we need to get back to is the one-on-one -on -one communication. I have an adult daughter now. And even in groups of adults, the same thing is happening where they're dependent on the electronics to communicate. If someone doesn't get back to, you know, they communicate in groups. If someone doesn't respond, then you start to think someone else is mad at them. It's like high school all over again. It's crazy. So it really comes down, it sounds like, to an infusion of values, like sitting around the table and, and having these kinds of connections be the norm around the house. This has been my desire, like with, the, with my children's book and having that five minute moment at the end of the day before going to sleep that, you know, you have this bedtime story that has the, the focus on remembering the shining moment of the day. And mm. that interaction happened just before going off to dream time. And so, so you have this bonding experience that can help create that bridge back to, you know, human to human type of thing. And hopefully happen as early as possible for the for the child and the relationship for the family. Uh, but I mean, are there other things like that, the tools that you're seeing that uh, might be available that could support more of a of a healthy kind of child and, and growing up in a relationship? Well, connection is the key. I think you mentioned that earlier in your statement, Mark. It's really about connection. There's a reason why there's a 30% increase in suicide since COVID broke out. It's because people feel isolated. Mm -hmm. And so connection is the key. And what's most important about that connection is it's connection to self. And how do you become inwardly connected so where whatever's occurring around you doesn't have the, the impact on you that, that it does today in society? How you start to create that connection is creating daily practices. And you can do this with your adult children, your very young children. You can start doing it yourself. One of the things I teach is write 10 things every morning that you're grateful for before you even get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Because what most people are doing are, are, is jumping to the phone, thinking about, oh my God, what I got to do? I got to do this. And their mind starts racing. Then they start getting irritated because they spilled coffee on themselves. And then they you know, get cut off going to work. And then it's just this downward spiral. Mm -hmm. So if you start your day with gratitude, you can't be in, in stress. You can't be in in anxiety. If you start to be grateful for just the simple things that you have, and then when you wake your child up at a very young age, how about saying, I'm just so grateful that I get to see your beautiful face first thing in the morning. What are you grateful for? Just one thing before you get out of bed. 
So gratitude is a big part of it. The other thing is, you know, when you're in the middle of stress, I have a, what's called a grief prescription that I share with everybody. It's the three B's. It's be in the moment, breathe, and believe. Be in the moment means be present. Think only about the next five minutes, five hours, five days, whatever is most comfortable for you. Because if you think too far out, you're thinking in your fear and anxiety if you're already stressed. So then you're creating stories about something that hasn't even happened yet. Mm -hmm. So be in the moment. The second is breathe. Breathe deeply, consciously breathe. It's about consciously living for me. And that's what I do every day. It's about consciously living, consciously knowing where my emotions are, consciously being connected to my body because our body talks to us. The four squared is what I teach people. Breathe into the count of four, hold it to the count of four, breathe out to the count of four, and hold it to the count of four. So so you can actually even visualize a box and do that four times in a row, four times a day, or when you need it the most. Because what breathing deeply does is help circulate your oxygen. It helps you become grounded so you can stay centered and be in the moment even better. And the third is believe. Believe this is a moment in time and that the rest of your life doesn't have to be this way. We have a choice on how we want to live our life. We can choose to respond to any given action that's occurred. We don't have any choice about the action that's happened. So it's Jack Canfield's formula of E plus R equals O. Event plus response equals your outcome. Mm -hmm. I lived this before I even knew the formula, but there's an event that happens in your life. The only control you have over any of that formula is how you respond. And how you respond is going to dictate how you live your life. So how do you want to live your life? Do you want to be angry and in anxiety and depressed? Or do you want to live a fulfilled, connected life? Because if you want to live a fulfilled, connected life, you have to be willing to step into that fear one hour at a time. Just one hour at a time. Don't look too far out. Just one hour at a time then you can start to move through that. So that is anybody who is considering suicide. That is anybody who is dealing with someone who has thought about suicide. That is anybody who is stressing about the loss of their loved one. Mm -hmm. Just be, breathe, and believe. That's the immediacy of any event in our life. Sounds like a good title for a song. (laughs) You can sing, I can't. Well, maybe he'll write a theme song for you and send it to you sometime. I think that would be beautiful. There you go. That would be an awesome and and a great reminder. Collaboration. So so that's the power of music for me now. Is there there a role that perhaps for you that music plays? Oh, nature. It's it's being in nature. I love to hike. I love to be by the water. Um, When I'm in the woods, I feel like I am... Uh, I, I don't feel, I know. I receive messages. I, I just feel like I can breathe deeper than I've been able to breathe any other time. It's just nature's big. And meditating, meditating is a big part for me. Mm-hmm. Every day but I meditate. Do you, do you have uh, like a favorite music that you listen to at any time of day or, or, or as a part of a, your process or favorite artists that you... I, I love... I love native flute and um, the drums. I just love native music. Mm. Well, I know you, you were talking quite a bit before around the importance of connection 
you know, or at least one of the things when it's lacking can lead to suicide and the increase of it. And so apparent, you know, obviously in the reverse, having more connection would help prevent that. That's something that in, in the world as we know it at the moment can be a bit challenging, obviously. What are some other things that can help prevent it? Are there signs to look for or to be aware of, or how can we be paying more attention? Yeah. So there are signs that, that many of us miss, especially with teenagers. It's because of their mood swings and you just don't know, you know, whether this is just um, hormones or if it's truly suicide, uh, suicidal thoughts. But so when you start to see your loved one's actions start to change, you know, they're, they become much more elevated in their response. They become aggressive or they start to withdraw. They start to move away. They start to isolate themselves. Their friends start to become different. They start to come home later. They don't, they don't leave the house. You know, when, when their actions shift drastically, which, which you can see it shift gradually over a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, you start to see a, a shift in their behavior. That's when you want to have a conversation. And a lot of people become scared about the fact that they talk about suicide. But what people need is to be heard and to know that someone loves them and cares for them. So having the conversation to just say, hey, listen, even if it's a coworker, you see their, their moods shift a little, you can say, hey, listen, I've just noticed that you've just, your responses have been a little different lately. Um, is there something going on? Because if there is, I'm here if you need an ear to listen to, what's happening? And then just be quiet and let them speak. And then after they're done speaking, what you can do is say, I am so glad that I asked and I just want you to know how much I care about you. And what I heard you say is blah, 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 blah. It's not about you fixing it. It's not about you trying to give them things to do. It's about them being heard. And so if you're still concerned about it, you can actually come right out and say, have you thought about suicide? Many people won't do that because the myth is if you talk about suicide, that will encourage suicide. That is absolutely a myth. It is absolutely incorrect. The only way that you can prevent suicide is if you actually talk about it. <laughs> and so if someone says, actually, I have, you could say, okay, so do you have a plan? And if they say, yes, I have a plan, you do not leave them alone. You either talk to a, an adult, you call 911, you call a family member, you make sure that they're not left alone because it's important that they know that you will help them to get the services that they need. Even if you feel like they're going to be angry at you, at least it's better to have an angry friend or spouse or sibling than it is to have, have them not here physically. The regret doing something. Yeah, the regret of not having that conversation. Right. And if they say, no, I don't have a plan, then great. Then you can say, that's great. Now let, let's talk about what kind of services that we can work together to get you so where you can feel better. That could be saying, okay, right now, if you don't want to go to counseling, I understand that. But how about we take a walk every day at four o'clock and you can just talk with me. So just offer something out of the box. They need to know that they love you. And lastly, 
No matter what you've tried, no matter what you've done, if you've lost someone to suicide, know that you did the best you could with all you knew at the moment in time that you did it. It is not your fault someone made the choice to take their life. It is not your fault. Mm -hmm. It's taken me years to get there to be able to speak that without crying. <laughs> mm. And it is not your fault. You did the best you could with what you knew at that time. And I might say, if you're living in pain today and your loved one is on the other side, I might ask if you were there and your loved one was here and you saw your loved one living in the pain and regret and shame and self-blame that you're living in, would they want you to suffer or would they want you to move through your healing journey? They would want you to feel joy and connection and love because the more joy and connection and love you have, the more connected you feel to them as well. So just be gentle with yourself. Absolutely. Thank you for that. I think that is so important for so many people to hear. And, to and breathe into and accept. and, mm -hmm. and Well, and, and even if it's not about a death, if there is a loss, if somebody's left in other ways, to remember we don't have control over their actions right, is is a huge piece and giving ourselves permission. I mean, that that's been something I've, I've had to work through myself where it's like that idea of giving myself permission to continue living and feeling joy again after loss that felt devastating at the time. I so appreciate all your words. One of the things that I notice is that you language around suicide differently than common culture does. And I'm wondering if you would speak a little bit more to that languaging. Thank more. you, Lorianne. It's, there's a couple <laughs> of things that make me cringe. And that's one, one specific one is how society still talks about suicide and they say mm -hmm. commit suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, it is not a word that we use with those, with those of us who are left behind. Commit suicide is not a word that we use anymore. There's a reason why it's been a cultural thing, because when suicide, I don't know how many decades or years or centuries ago, but it was a crime to die by suicide within religions, specifically the Catholic and the Jewish religions, it was a crime. They couldn't have a service in their cathedrals or synagogues, they couldn't be buried in their cemeteries. Culture has changed now. We do know now today that 90% of those who die by suicide have a diagnosed or undiagnosed mental illness, 90% or more. And so today we talk about people dying by suicide, taking their own lives, completed suicide, it is just like we don't talk about committing cancer or committing diabetes or any other disease that people die by. And so I encourage every time I hear someone talk about committed, I just graciously and um, consciously say, is it okay if I share with you some new information that is around suicide? And so I ask if I can just share with them the new language around it. It feels to me like that languaging difference 
would take the pressure off the family too, because it is something that the individual chose that the family, I want to say is, is as much subject to as, as everyone else is and understanding the mental illness component is huge. We have not really had that conversation in our culture around suicide I, I, I did not realize it was 90%. I mean, that's, that's eye-opening and yeah. in itself needs to be addressed, I think. And it's, it's undiagnosed and diagnosed. So there are some who have died by suicide that had mental health illnesses that were not diagnosed. But, you know, for my son, my son was diagnosed with three different things within a couple of months. You know, he was severely depressed. He, had, uh, he was bipolar and he was schizophrenic. You know, like within, within just a few months, like from different doctors. So even the, the medical field has a difficult time distinguishing what it is. And so, you know, if I knew today what I knew then, then I would have done some of these energetic practices that I practiced today. I spent thousands of dollars on Eastern, Eastern medicine and, and becoming a, a master rim facilitator, which is regenerating images and memory. It's all about working with the energy that's within your body and reframing the experiences you had. So you no longer carry the pain that's either yours or not yours. You know, it could be your parents, you know, there's science that shows that our children carry our pain. Our children carry their grandparents' pain. And so the more we heal through those those limiting beliefs and blocks the more we dissolve that and we reframe them and become aware of something different the more at peace and more more joy that there is in in life and in and within yourself and within your environment i didn't know that when when my son was in his space and i would have taken him anywhere and done anything i could i did everything i could i knew i that i knew i could at the time Okay. And it didn't work. Well, and that experience brought you to where you are now, too. And okay. you have so much to offer. And I really wish we could keep this conversation going because I think, especially right now in our culture, it is absolutely vital. It is literally life and death for many people. And I also know that you have a lot to offer for those who are grieving as well as those who just want to learn more. And so I want to give you the opportunity to share where, where and how can people connect with you and, and reach out to you. Thank you, Lorraine. Thank you, Uncle Mike, for, uh, Mark, for um, being here. <laughs> yeah, it's Uncle Mike. I, have a, I think I have an Uncle Mike, but thank you both for, for, um, for being here <laughs> and having me here. And um, I, I, ha I offer things to people who are tired of being walking around in the world numb and, and full of pain and um, in whatever way it's, it's you see that. And um, you can go to my website at KathleenL.com. It's C-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-E-L-L-E.com. All of my services are offered there. Um, everywhere on social media, it's Kathleen L. Inspires. And I have a private Facebook group that's called From Grief to Belief Stepping Stones. And it's for those who have experienced sudden and unexpected loss. As you can hear behind, <laughs> there's... Mm -hmm. Siren's going wrong. So 
I, you can just go to my website or on the Facebook page um, and ask to join the group. I'd love to have you. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here, for being so open and vulnerable and courageous in your journey every single day so that you can be who you are now. And thank you for, for being the gift that you are. It means thank a lot to everybody. We're all so. in this together and, and these are important tools to be to be sharing. So thank you for Absolutely. that. To all our listeners, remember that Lorianne and I are on a mission to help make the world a better place and to uplift voices that are not typically heard. So if you or someone you know, an author, perhaps like Kathleen, a musician, innovator, or even a comedian whose perspective and message challenges the old paradigms and definitions to open up our hearts and our minds, please, please reach out to us. We want to support you and help you connect to our worldwide audience and, uh, and amplify your message. Just visit riseandshineasone.com to apply to be a guest. Before we go, we want all of our listeners to know that you're never alone. If you or someone you know is struggling with anxiety, depression, or mental illness, or if you've recently lost someone to suicide, there's help. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can call them at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. If you prefer to chat privately online, you can do that as well on their website at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Real live counselors are ready to listen. So thank you, everybody, Kathleen, and to our listeners for being with us today. And remember, until next week, wherever you are, there's always time for remembering to rise, rise and shine. <laughs> Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Rise and Shine. Please join Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead for another great show next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, keep rising and shining. Sound of the joy, sound of the love, sound of the light. Sound of the joy, sound of the love.